Good morning. It is good to see you today as we celebrate homecoming. And it's one of my favorite days of the year because I get to hear all of the stories of how much this church means to people. And uh, we get to hear about baptisms and wedding ceremonies and family and friends and past ministers. And it's just a day that is just filled with joy. And so I thank you for being here today to be a part of this celebration. And we're going to have a meal afterwards, and we'd love for all of you to stay and be a part of that. And so today we mark and celebrate 164 years that this congregation has been in existence. It began, it was planted by the venerable David Lipscomb with just three ladies and a boy and has survived and not only survived but flourished for many years. And so generations and generations of named and unnamed people have worshipped here and served here. And so I thank you for loving this church and being here today. And today we're also going to unveil a painting. And so this is very exciting because it also marks not only 164 years, but 100 years in this building that we're going to celebrate this year. And as a result, we've commissioned an artist, uh, Nashville artist Phil Ponder, to paint the church. And so we will be unveiling that here in just a few minutes and making available prints uh, to everyone here today. One of the things that I love about this church, and that as long as that I've been here, that I've seen, is that God has been working here. Not just people, but God has been working here. And sometimes God has even surprised us. He surprised us with what He's going to do. He surprised us with resources. He's he's surprised us with people that have come in and have loved this work and have been a part of it. And God has been so good. So today, we celebrate what God has done at Lindsley Avenue. We give Him the praise and the honor and the glory for what He has done at 3 Lindsley Avenue for 164 years. What a wonderful thing. The Scriptures tell us, and we know... We know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and have been called according to His purpose. His purpose. Sometimes we limit God. Well, that's just an old church downtown. Nobody lives down there anymore. No one cares about it. For a while, we didn't even have front doors. We had ceilings that were crumbling. And God was not limited by finances. God was not limited by resources. God has worked in this place regardless of what it looked like. Reminds me of a story about an elderly woman. And she was known for her faith. She was known for her boldness. And every morning, she would go to her front porch And she would say, praise the Lord. But she had an atheist that lived right next door to her. So the atheist, every time she'd say praise the Lord, he'd say back, he ain't real. 
Well, the poor elderly lady with such great faith, she fell on some hard times. And she, she went out on her front porch, did her usual bit. She said, praise the Lord. God, I need some groceries. Please help me. Praise the Lord. The next day she went out to her porch and lo and behold, there was bags of groceries there. And she said, praise the Lord. And then the little atheist jumped out and said, see, I told you there was no Lord. I bought you those groceries. And then the little lady started jumping up and down and she said, praise the Lord. Not only did God send me the groceries, but he made the devil pay for it. (laughs) We limit God sometimes, don't we? But God is able, He is sovereign, He can work out His plan. And if we give our lives over to His will, He is so able to do great things. And today, I want to talk to you about the workmanship of God. The workmanship. And today, we think about the workmanship of this building that Robert Sharp, an architect, in his plan, in his vision, crafted this beautiful church. And men and women built this church. And we see the architecture and the workmanship of what was created. And we think how beautiful it is. And then we're going to unveil a painting, a masterpiece. And we're going to say how great and how beautiful is the workmanship, the detail that the artist put into this beautiful painting. But all of these things that I'm talking about today, the building and this painting, pale in comparison to what God wants to do with your life. God wants to work in your life. He wants to create a masterpiece. That's why it says His workmanship. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2 today because Ephesians 2 gives us the full spectrum of God's creative grace, what God is able to do in our lives. It shows us the depth and the breadth of God's transformative grace. I want you to look at it with me. Verses 1 and 3 says, And you He made alive, who were dead, and trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. The first picture that God gives us in Ephesians 2 concerning His transformative power is first of all, the predicament, the situation that we're all in. And it says that when we're in our sins, which all of us have sinned, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, we are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. Before you can understand just how amazing grace is, before you can understand just how powerful the workmanship of God is, you first have to understand there's something wrong. There's something broken and that we're dead spiritually in our sins. What is death? 
James said that death is the separation of the body and of the spirit. And ultimately, spiritually, if we are apart from God, if we have been separated from God, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, we have experienced spiritual death for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul describes this life as being dead in our trespasses and sins because we are separated from the living God. I once heard a story about a man by the name of Donald E. Miller. And in 1994, Donald Miller was declared dead by the court. And the reason why he was declared dead is because his wife needed to formalize his death because his daughters needed Social Security. He just disappeared. He vanished and he was presumably dead for 20 years. And then lo and behold, one day, he shows up on his wife's front lawn. Alive. Alive. And he told the judge, it, it kind of went further than I expected it to. I just kind of took off and ended up in different places. And so he was in court to reactivate his standing as being alive. Can you imagine that? He's testifying in a court that he's alive. What did the judge say? The judge said, there is no mechanism within the law to reverse a declaration of death. And he said, I don't know where that leaves you, but you're still deceased as far as the law. You see, the law, there's nothing in the law that can make you alive. And the same is true spiritually. The law can't bring you back. It's only by the grace of God that can quicken you, that can enliven you. It's only through the grace of God because the law is indivisible. Remember James, he said this, listen to this, for whosoever shall keep the whole law yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. That's all it takes to be guilty of the whole law because it's indivisible. And if I break one point of the law, I've broken the whole law and I stand condemned before God. It also says that we walked according to the course of this world. That we love the things of the world prior to Christ. John says, do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we walked according to the flesh and not of the Spirit. We were separated from the life-given Spirit of God. And as a result, our thinking... Our understanding and our reason was distorted by sin. Think about it. Have you ever been shocked at the hardness of heart that you see in the world? Have you ever just been shocked for the lack of empathy that people have? Or the opaque understanding that people have. They just don't understand anything it seems anymore. Have you ever been shocked? It's because of sin. But the, the story is, it doesn't stop there. In verse 4, it has one of the most amazing verses here. Listen to what it says. 
but God. No matter who you are in this room, this verse applies to you. The way things are going outside of Christ is not the way that we want to go. But God didn't want to leave us in that state. It says, but God who was rich in His mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. He stopped us in our sins through Jesus Christ. It is through Christ. It is through His mercy that we find it. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It goes on to show what our destiny is, is in Christ, verses 5-7. through And when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with grace, by grace you have been saved and raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. One time, C.S. Lewis was asked at a comparative religions, what's the distinctive thing about Christianity? And he said, that's easy. It's the grace of God. Because all other religions, no matter what they are, are trying to work to get to a certain place. But Christianity is ultimately about the grace of God. And not of works. It's about His creative grace. Remember the psalmist of old, he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise Thee. God's creative grace that He has made you alive. That He's created the world. The builder of all things is God. The great Russian novelist Dostoevsky, probably the greatest Russian novelist of all time, At one point early in his life, he was considered a political dissident. And in fact, he was imprisoned. And they gave him the death sentence. And he with some other men put on burial shrouds. And they walked out in front of a firing line. And when they were in that firing line, they kissed a cross And it said, for the wages of sin as death was pronounced over. And they aimed their guns at these men. And right when they were fixing to shoot them, a rider on a horse rode up and said, you're pardoned. And it was from that point on that Dostoevsky's life changed. He finally understood just how precious life is. Is and what a gift it is. And shortly after that, he was given a New Testament from a lady. And his works are infused with conscience and conviction and with the grace of God. Not only is there God's creative grace, there's His sustaining grace. The reason why you are alive this very moment is because God says you're alive. The reason why this earth is spinning is because God is sustaining it. It says He sustains all things by the word of His power. And so we are sustained today by the very grace of God. But as if that wasn't enough, His creative grace, His sustaining grace, but there's also His redeeming grace. For by grace are you saved. And as a result, 
When we understand the grace of God, it begins to transform who we are, just like it transformed that Russian novelist. Because I'm humble. I'm humbled by the grace of God that everything that I am is because of God. Whatever breath I have in my lungs, it's because of His grace. Whatever I have in this life, it is because of His goodness. Spurgeon said this, grace puts its hand on the boasting mouth and shuts it once and for all. When you begin to truly understand how good God is to us, how can you live in pride? It's transformative. It also gives us gratitude. It says it gives us that ability to truly appreciate who God is and it also motivates us. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. So faith is the ground floor. Faith is the doors in which we acknowledge and accept the grace of God. Sometimes people get the idea that maybe grace isn't conditional. That there's not a response that God wants us to have. But it's through faith because without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. So faith is that way. And not only is it just faith, but it's also responding to the grace of God. If I had a $100 bill, and I had it right here, and I said, whoever wants it can come get it. I knew somebody was going to say that. Every time I do this illustration, somebody says they want the $100 bill. And it still looks the same in my hand. And suppose somebody walks up and, and takes the $100 bill from my hand and goes back and sits down and then they, they go over to the person sitting next to me and say, man, that was some hard work. I just earned $100. All of us would say, what are you talking about? You were just given $100, but by walking up there, that was the necessary conditions upon receiving it. And in the same way, God offers His grace, His redemption, His salvation, and it's through faith and obedience that we receive it. And nothing about that response earns it. It's merely our acquiescence to His will. But once we get to the point of being saved by His grace, it says something marvelous has happened in our lives. It says, for we are His workmanship. That because when we obey the gospel, when we give our lives over to His grace, He begins to create in our own lives. We become His creation, His workmanship. The Greek word is poihima, which is where we get our word poem from. One of the greatest examples to me of workmanship, and we're going to see a great example here in just a minute. But one of the greatest illustrations of workmanship to me is the Sistine Chapel. How beautiful and illustrious that chapel is that 25,000 people a day walk in there and are overwhelmed by what that artist created. And Michelangelo, he considered himself to be a sculptor but yet he has the second most famous painting of all time behind the Mona Lisa. He described his work as torture. In the movie that they made about Michelangelo, they had him laying down painting, but that's not how he painted. 
He painted for four years looking up. Can you imagine the pain of, of that? And he saved the picture of God till the very end. Out of the 12,000 square feet and 300 figures. One person once said of it, without having seen the Sistine Chapel, one can form no appreciable idea of what one man is capable of achieving. One day, he was painting in the corners of the chapel, and a friend came in and he said, nobody's going to notice what's in the corners. And Michelangelo responded, God will. God will know what's in the corners of this chapel. And as great and as beautiful as that chapel is, it's nothing to what God can do in our lives. The workmanship that God wants to create in your life. Because God wants to create the greatest purpose and meaning in our lives. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It says that we are created unto good works. That because we are saved in Christ, it motivates us to begin a new life instead of destruction. It's being creative and constructive in our lives. And God's grace is so powerful. And and many times I hear people discount what God can do. Yeah, God can do that in your life. God can do that in someone else's life, but He he can never do it in my life. But have you read the Scriptures lately? Have you read who's in the Bible? Because Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer. David had an illicit affair. Gideon was fearful. Rahab was a prostitute. Timothy was too young. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah was naked. Job went bankrupt and was bereaved. John the Baptist ate locusts, which we're not having later on. (laughs) Peter was hot-tempered. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus was dead. And if God can work in their lives, He can work in yours. It is for by grace you're saved through faith. What a beautiful lesson. And we are His workmanship, His creation. Have you allowed God to work in your life? It begins by understanding. By faith, we understand, it says in Hebrews 11.3. It's through faith that we begin to access the grace of God. And when we do, when we surrender this stubborn, prideful will that we have inside of us, that God truly begins to work in our lives. And as a result, churches change. Neighborhoods change. Families change. Because of His grace. Because of what God can do. With God, all things are possible. If you haven't obeyed the gospel today, we want to give you that opportunity to accept the loving grace and mercy of God. To turn from those sins 
that separate us, those sins that kill us, and to confess Jesus to be the Son of the living God and be baptized, immersed into His body, the church. Or maybe you are a Christian but haven't let God work in your life, then we want to give you the opportunity to get right with God. Or if you need a prayer of healing or of encouragement, we want to give you that opportunity. We're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.